Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. And we are going to go ahead and jump directly into the fourth part of our series that we call, I've called, um, Created to Create. Um, Before we move forward, I also have a um, uh, um, a very uh, sad announcement. Um, one of our beloved uh, church members um, passed away Friday week ago. If you didn't see that on Facebook already, uh, Miss Mary Lou Boyce, um, who was uh, a beloved uh, friend of, of ours. And so uh, she's been in our lives since before our oldest son, Keenan, was born and has seen our children grow up and has been a part of the, of the church. And if anybody knew Miss Mary Lou, you knew she, she loved God, she loved her family, and she would tell you uh, about a God that loves you. She is amazing. And uh, she went home to, to, to be with the Lord um, a week ago this past Friday. And we're having a memorial service for her this coming Saturday um, at 11. And so everyone's invited. She included every church fam, every church person as a part of her extended family. And so uh, if you knew and loved Miss Mary Lou, you are invited to that. And um, that'll be this coming Saturday at 11. Um, well, this is the part of the service where you can go ahead and get into your Uversion app or your bulletin notes. This is where we begin to track along with that. And in this series of created to create, we keep coming back to this concept that in God's hands, we are both a work of art and an artist at work. Simultaneously, we're a work of art and an artist at work, that he is working in our lives, but he's also working through our lives. And that should be incredibly encouraging. That should be something that's pretty, pretty amazing. And as we've been in church for a while, you recognize the, the, little, uh, the little church song. You know, he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. And so, yeah, I'm freaking cutie out with an attempt to carry a tune here. And uh, that is not what I was created to create. I was not created to create music. That is not my gifting. But we, we understand that he's still working on us, and we get, that, we get that concept around. But that's not the end of it. It's not the end. That we, he is working on us, but he's working on us and working through us simultaneously. And so we need to be conscious of that because you are creating your environment and your world all the time whether you recognize it or not every word that you speak is either building up or tearing down it's either either bringing life or 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 squelching life and so we need to be conscious of it so as we're moving forward as christ followers and we recognize that we were created to create and we're creating whether we know it or not well let's do this thing on purpose and we've looked at this passage of scripture All through here, this is our launching passage for this series, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. It says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God prepared these things in advance. We don't have to figure out what am I supposed to do for God? 
We don't have to figure out what do I need to do for God. All we have to do is get up and say, Spirit, lead me. God, I just want to love on people. I just want to do it. And I guarantee those things that he prepared in advance for you to do, they will reveal themselves. It is not a mystery. It's not. You just step into it and it unfolds day by day by day. Um, I had a lot of fun um, years ago on uh, one of our anniversaries. We just got back from the marriage retreat. I got my marriage retreat couples in the house, some of you. Had a great time. Had a great time. Went to a ranch and stayed at a wonderful place. And I had a a lot of fun. Had a good time. And uh, anyway, so uh, at our marriage retreat, we have everyone kind of share their proposal stories. Um, Some are well planned out and some are, like mine, non-existent. And so... (laughs) Uh, I did not ask Cutie to marry me, and so uh, I asked her to pray about getting married. We both felt like that was, we got to go ahead. It felt weird to then say, okay, well, will you do it? And so I should have said, will you do it? And so I should have uh, done a proposal, but I wasn't, so just because I was a dud on the proposal, and I've still not gotten out of that one. Um, Anyways, I wasn't always, I didn't always fail on this thing. And so consequently, um, you know, I've had to do some different things. And so one of our anniversaries, um, I decided that we were going to, um, to have some fun. And she's convinced every anniversary that I forget our anniversary. She's just like, this is the year he's going to do nothing. So one year I decided I was going to have this progressive thing. And uh, so decided that we were going, the church we were connected with had New Year's Eve parties. New Year's Eve is our anniversary. So I decided we were going to have these New, Year, they had these New Year's Eve parties, and we were just going to hit all of them. So I got little gifts and little clues, and I went to every one of these homes, and I talked to the host, and I was like, Cutie and I are going to be coming here. I'm going to lead, be leading her on the scavenger hunt through the town, and it'll take us from house to house and place to place and all these different things. I had a blast planning it, and um, I... I, I roped in a couple of guys who happened, I don't know why they're still around, but they're still around, and I got them to meet us in Tinseltown's parking lot, dressed in pink tutus, uh, Nathan Bosworth, Shane Bailey, and uh, a couple of other guys, and, uh, and so that was one of the clues that she had to find, uh, find the ballerinas, and they were fairly easy to find. And, uh, and so, and then they had the next clue and they did a great little prancy job in uh, bringing her the next clue. So, but it was a ton of fun because there was this thing that, that as, as we walked through it, as we walked through it, she was getting this, this experience of something that was prepared in advance for her to be able to, for it to be unfold. And there were gifts along the way. There were these gifts to be able to enhance it. But you know, I think who was having the most fun? I think I was having the most fun. Because it was sitting there, I knew what was coming up. I knew what was going to be the next stop. I knew all of these different things. And, and just when she would think it was over, it wasn't over. And it kept going. And I had a blast. And I'm convinced that our Heavenly Father has created this amazing, wonderful life. And that when we don't live in it, we are removing and and keeping something from God. That God has joy in you being who God fully created you to be. 
that it brings God joy whenever you begin to step into these things that he did in advance for you to do. He doesn't have this checklist, and he's not some taskmaster saying, well, I prepared you in advance to go and do this and do that. He's not mom coming and doing the dust thing saying, I told you to clean your room. Did you clean it? I'm not sitting there checking. Did you shove it under the bed? Yeah, he's not that. He's like, man, I've got this wonderful life that, I, that you are my handiwork. You were created to live. And if you will follow me, this life is going to be amazing. And God enjoys as you and I begin to step forward into it. Folks, this isn't a nuisance. You talking to God about what he has planned for you that day isn't a nuisance. He loves it. God loves it. That's why he walks with us through this. It, is, it brings joy to him. And so as we do this, as we begin to step into how we were created to create and all of those different things, we need to understand that in creating, the why is just as important as the what. The why is just as important as the what. The why gets down to this motivation, this thing that, that moves us from the inside. And usually when our why gets big enough, then all of a sudden the what takes, play, takes care of itself. When that why gets big enough, usually there's this place where somebody's been dealing with a habit long enough. When the why gets big enough, the habit gets dealt with. When all of a sudden there's a why, there's a why, and guess what? The why isn't always about the negative. The why could be that's a beautiful, positive thing. There's a reason God doesn't want us bound in, in addiction and, 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 and off course in our lives. It's because there's so much more he has in store for us. The why is the better. The why is the greater. The why isn't let's avoid all the destruction. Sure, it has destruction associated with it, but the good of the why is so much bigger then the bad of the why. God has so much in store for us and we need to begin to embrace it. Let's look at Philippians chapter two. Paul talks about the motivation. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, <clears throat> value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but, to, <clears throat> but each of you to the interest of others. Now see, last week, um, we talked about imagination and letting God reveal everything that he has in store for us. That imagination, our imagination begins to, to, begins to get a little bit of structure to what God wants to do. Because remember, he will do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or even imagine but he'll begin to trigger that creative thing in us. We will begin to imagine these different things. And, and some of you have, have done projects and whatnot and, and, and got to the end of it and goes, man, this is even better than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be this. And it was our imagination. God is moving in the right direction. But God goes beyond that. But part of it is, is we need to, we need to begin to, to move forward into some things. And now we're going to look at Romans 11. And remember when Paul wrote, he did not, was not writing in chapters. Paul wrote a letter, and we put chapters and verses so we could find stuff. Okay, And so 11 flows right into 12. And we're going to spend some time in the end of 11 and the beginning of 12. So Romans chapter 11. It says, oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. 
Folks, his wisdom and knowledge is big. How unsearchable are his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. You can't say here exactly is the limits right here. God exceeds the limits. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who tells God what to do? Who's the one that says, God, uh, you're kind of off here. I think you need to fix this. No, we, we submit to his will. Who has ever given to God that God should repay? Who does God owe? God doesn't owe any of us. Why? Because for from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. So here as we're created to create all of this, this life-giving creativity is for him, from him, and through him. All of it is. So how do we let God lead us in this? How do we keep our motivations, our whys in line with God's heart? How do we do that? Paul keeps writing. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies, the physical part of you, the physical stuff you do, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. We tend to think that our proper worship is this, this, that 20 minutes at the beginning of the service where we, where we take these borrowed words that somebody else wrote and we make them our own and we sing them with an, with an authentic heart and that was our worship moment. And that's a, that is a worship moment, but it isn't our only worship moment. Our true worship is to give God our whole lives. That's our true worship, is to give him our whole lives, the whole thing, not just 20 minutes on Sunday morning, not just a little here and there as we're going down the road. And I encourage you to, to play worship music and use that kind of stuff. We, uh, we do it all the time. But it's to, so we can give him our whole lives. So how do we do that? Paul keeps writing. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. So here God is going to carry us. You know, no one knows the, the, the depths of his thoughts. No one has been God's counselor. He wants to reveal these things to him, but we've got to renew our minds. We've got to offer ourselves fully to him to begin to, to walk in this, and then we'll be able to see what his good, pleasing, and perfect will is. This, his plan for our lives. See, God has wired each of us to respond to different needs in different ways. And he keeps writing. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. It says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought to, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has, um, has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Okay, before we get into the rest of this, first off, we need to establish, he's very clear, not to look down on one another's gifts. We're wired differently. 
We're built differently. We respond differently, but God has wired us each for a certain purpose, and we're about to get into this. Now, we're about to look at what is referred to as the seven motivational gifts, okay? And if you're new to church, you, you're, I, I want to go ahead and lay some baseline because we want you around here for a while. And then when I get to the, some other gifts that God gives us, you're going to say, well, pastor, I thought you said this was the group of gifts. So the scriptures actually lay out three places where there are gifts. Okay, just real quick. Um, they're the gifts of the spirit outlined in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And then there are the gifts of, of Jesus, which is outlined in Ephesians 4. And it says, Jesus himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So are these offices to be able to take care of the church. And then in Romans 12, what we're about to get into is the, is the motivational gifts. So there's the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of the Son, and the gifts of the Father. Okay? And so each of the Trinity has their own gifts that it brings to us. And today we're looking at the gifts of the Father. So now that we've got some baseline, so that when we get into the other gifts, you don't go, hey, I thought, I thought you said this was the gifts. It's three groupings of gifts. So here are the seven motivational gifts. And these are the gifts that, that fire us up to be able ready to respond. And let's go ahead and get into this in Romans chapter 12, verse six. It says, for we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encourage, um, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show uh, mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. And so here he outlines these, these seven motivational gifts. These seven motive gifts of, of perceiving, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, and showing mercy. Now, I've got a uh, good old uh, fanny pack. And so, uh, put on my fanny pack. Thanks to the millennials, fanny packs are cool again. So, you got the uh, fanny pack. And so, you're going to go out on a... You're going to go out on a journey. You don't know what you're going to run into, what problems you're going to, to face, okay? And so in each one of these things, it can uh, step into, okay? You have the perceiving gift. You have the perceiving uh, motivation. Well, perceiving gifts can help locate you. Sometimes you just need a map. There's a gift that says, you know, there's, there's a, you just need a map. You need to be able to figure out where in the world you are. And people that have that perceiving gift, that, that prophetic gift, can come in and they can step into your life and their response is they see the problem and they go, man, there needs to be a voice that, that analyzes and locates and says, here's what the problem is. The reason this isn't working for you is you're trying to ride a bike in a swimming pool. That don't work. Get your bike out of the swimming pool, put it on the deck, and this might work. All of a sudden, they're like, oh, okay, we do. All of a sudden, they bring some, locate you and help you out. Then there is the serving gift. The serving gift makes sure you got a little collapsible cup. Serving gift wants to make sure that, that you're able to be served, that they care whether or not you've got what you need. They will step in there 
And here's the problem is, is as each one of us, we step into our own, we step into our own gifting, we will, because we're wired this way, we will think being Christ-like is being like that. Because when I step fully into who God's wired me to be, then the Spirit of God is at work in my life, and I'll see, because guess what? Jesus manifested all of these. The um, prophetic gift, the, the, the locating gift, Jesus was very direct. He speaks to the Pharisees, and he calls them whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones. He spoke the truth to people that needed to speak the truth. People were acting one way, and they were a completely different way, and he says, you're a hypocrite. It doesn't align. You're trying to be this when you're this. You need to be located. And Jesus located people. Well, guess what? Jesus operated it. So if you have a prophetic leaning, if you have that gifting to perceive and to call truth, truth, and all that, have the hard discussions, then you're going to think it to be Christ-like is to do that all the time and that other people don't. Well, they're not Christ-like because you see Jesus doing it. And it validates it. And then you look down on someone else's gifting because they did the same thing. Guess what? Jesus served. Jesus, before he went to the cross, he got down on his knees and he washed his disciples' feet. He took that basin, he took that water, and he washed his disciples' feet. Somebody who's wired to serve says, you know what? Being Christ-like means being a servant. means being serving. I'm over here and doing all this, and nobody else is doing it. Man, our church is full of a bunch of unchrist-like people. There's only a handful of us that show up here early in the morning and serve. Why? Because you're wired for that. You're wired for it, and we'll begin to look down on one another's gifts because we'll see it echoed in Jesus and echoed in ourselves, and we're like, that's what being Christ-like looks like. And all of a sudden, this divisiveness begins to show up. The next gift is teaching. Got a little, uh, shed a little light on the subject. Sometimes you're just, you're just in the dark. You need to be able to have some clarity. You need to be, to be taught. And a teacher loves to bring things out, help you to understand. A teacher loves to be able to do that. And that's their gifting. And every time something happens, they feel like it. Of course, they can say, Jesus was called teacher. Of course, if you're Christ-like, you're going to be a teacher. Jesus was called teacher. Well, maybe it's encouraging. You got to get a walkie-talkie and be able to talk to somebody and get a little encouragement. I tell you what, you're lost out there. Another voice that cares is amazing. It is amazing. You just need a little encouragement. You're like, man, I don't know. Okay, we'll go to this rock, turn left at this tree, come over this deal. We're waiting here. And so you get a little bit of encouragement. We see that Jesus was constantly encouraging. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Somebody who's wired as an encourager is going to say, well, what it means to be Christ-like is to be encouraging. And this person over here, this prophetic gifting, boy, he's hard-nosed and he's tough. and he, that's, He's not very encouraging. He's just not Christ-like at all. But he's operating their gifting. We begin to look down on one another. We'll look down on one another. Then you sit there and you have the giver. Or paracord, man, it can fix just about anything. It's the duct tape of the wilderness, folks. 
Man, you get a good deal, and guess what? There's more where that came from. There's more where that came from. There's more where that came from. Man, there are people who are wired as generous people. They're givers. And they are funding things and help things happen and they, they see things and you know and then they see other people see needs and they're not willing to be generous and they're like man Jesus gave Jesus fed 5,000 Jesus was Jesus gave Jesus gave his life for us God so loved the world that he gave if you're not a if you if you don't give then there's something wrong with you you're not Christ-like because we see it and then we begin to look down on one another Maybe it's leading. Maybe it's leadership. You go in, you get the old, uh, get the old compass. Damn. This way, boys. Follow me. And we lead and we go. And someone who is wired for leadership, again, that same thing. Jesus led. That's the first thing he told his disciples is, come, follow me. Jesus was a leader. If you're not willing to step up and lead, well, you're just not Christ-like. No, you are wired for leadership. You're wired for it. And then last of all, maybe it's showing mercy. There's a little uh, first aid kit. Because usually when there's some mercy that needs to be shown, it's because something went wrong and somebody's getting hurt. And somebody needs to be able to respond and deal with the pain and deal with the pain. So the best way that I've seen to be able to make this uh, fully make sense. And so and this is going to help you as we as you get this and you understand how you're wired and your family's wired. So let's imagine, okay, um, that we're here and that we're all just hanging out and um, there's a glass of water, okay, up here, okay. And um, I'm up here talking along, and I'm, boop, I knocked the glass of water off. And now there's a mess, okay? And so, and immediately, the prophetic person sits there, and the, the analyst and whatnot is like, man, you weren't paying attention. You need, to, you need to pay attention. You need to pay attention to your surroundings and, and all of these different things. And they begin to analyze and do all of those different things. That's how they do it. The server, they don't say a word. They jump up, grab a towel, and start sopping it up. And they start responding to it that way. The teacher goes, okay, Pastor Brandon, here's what we're going to do, okay? I think if you'll, set the, if you'll, if you'll learn to set the, the glass a little deeper, okay, um, maybe get one with a lid, you know, I think if we'll Anna, look at this, then I think we can, we can come up with a plan, and I just want to teach you and impart this so that this problem doesn't happen again, um, the encourager goes, Pastor Brandon, we love you anyways. You spill my drink. I'll spill mine with you. Solidarity. Everybody spill your drinks. Nobody spills alone. And they encourage. They don't want somebody to feel embarrassed. They don't want somebody to, to, to do that. The giver responds and says, here, you can have my water. I'll give you my water. You now, there's a deficit in your life. You spilled your water. I, want you, I don't want you to be without. Here's, here's my water. The leader immediately, immediately jumps up and says, hey, I need you to be over there and to spill it. I need you to, to organize getting another bottle of water. Okay? I need you to move that table out of his realm because he's going to hit it again. I guarantee it. <laughs> and the leader, 
the leader starts uh, getting people going and, and getting things there. And then the, the show of mercy goes, Pastor Brent, come here. It's all right. We, we, it's, we've all spilled something. It's okay. Y'all quit laughing at him. This is not funny. This could scar a person. What if he never preaches again? What if he preaches with a dry throat? Because he's afraid of water. But every person, it's the same scenario. It's the same scenario. It's a spilled glass of water. But how you're wired, how you're motivated, begins to affect how you respond. I guarantee the, the leader is going to look at the person giving me a hug going, what are you doing? It's still wet. There's still nothing to drink. Hug him later. What are you doing? You're kind of dumb. And looking down on one another's gifts. When each piece is vitally, vitally needed. Folks, you have to recognize all of these gifts are at work in your household. All of these gifts are at work in your sphere of influence with your friends and your family. And folks, so many times we can begin to not value one another because, or look down on one another because they're not wired the way we are. And we don't understand someone's response. And so my parents had very different responses to where my mom was real mercy motivated and my dad was like, I told you not to do that. And so a part of it, but it was love. He wasn't griping me out. He wasn't griping me out. He didn't want it to happen again. And his love was like, I'm going to take this as a teachable moment. You feel that pain? Yeah, there you go. You don't want that again, do you? And so let's fix this. And he would fix it and begin to coach me in how to fix it. And as he's grown up and matured, he's understood. His, but the motivations are still the same. He's still the same man. He's still motivated the same way. And so it just begins to shift. And so as we move forward with this, if you look at your... Um, if you look at the bottom of your bulletin or on your version app, um, there's an assessment. And what this is is a spiritual gift assessment, and it's for the motivational gifts. I want to encourage you, not now, but at some point this week, I want to encourage you to take that assessment. And I think it's going to be pretty telling for you. Um, you know, as ever, I took mine, and it, it revealed to me my, my number one is not leadership. That's not my number one. Um, my number one is encouraging. And so... Um, you know, I'm the one that's going to just spill the water with you. Come on, you know, let's, you know, we'll deal with that later. We'll, we'll clean up the mess later. We're going to be together in this, so I'm going to encourage you. And so, but I want, I want to encourage you to take this assessment. Anybody who's married, y'all take this and, and talk about it together. And I want you to talk about some of your responses, because guess what? There's going to be issues in life that come up and you will both want to respond if you understand that you both have something to bring to the table and one's response isn't better than another person's response you're wired to this and guess what not everybody can do every response which is why we need extended family we need other people in our lives because every piece of this matters folks it all matters first peter 4 10 says each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. 
of faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So our next step is use your gift to serve someone this week. Our bottom line is the needs of others should motivate us to provide creative solutions. You were created to create and make this world a better place, that God's grace would be manifested in a real way as we are a part of his re-creation. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.